From McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. During today's episode, we travel virtually to India to discuss innovation in the context of developing markets. Senior partner Eric Roth, who leads our innovation work globally, talks with Irina Vital, who has led and advised on innovation projects at both large companies and startups, and who has deep expertise on emerging economies. Irina is also a seasoned board director with a focus on agriculture and urban change in India. Their discussion was wide-ranging, and we're covering it in two parts. We hope you enjoy this first part of the discussion. Here's Eric. Thank you, Sean, and welcome to another episode of The Committed Innovator, the podcast series where we talk to the people who have been there and done it on innovation from around the world. Today, we are unbelievably grateful to welcome Irina Vital to our discussion. Irina is a longtime experienced innovator, having worked in many, many different corporate environments all over the world for the past 30 years. But today she really spends her time working on boards in some of the most interesting and largest institutions in India, as well as working with the government to focus on issues related to urbanization and agriculture. Arena, welcome and thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me, Eric. Yes, and in full transparency, we're sitting here in the northeast of the United States in about six to ten inches of snow, and Arena is off in India, uh, looking at us, wondering what, uh, what, what possibly we're going to do with all that snow, given the, the difference in temperatures where <laughs> she and I are sitting today. Absolutely. Arena, let's jump into it. You've really seen the inside out of different kinds of companies, particularly in the developing world, uh, and how they're trying to grow and the challenges they've had. But tell us a little bit about your background before we jump into that. Well, I've been unbelievably lucky in where I've had the opportunity to work. So I started my life working with uh, Nestle. Then I joined Vodafone in India, which was called Max Touch. And then I joined McKinsey. And of course, I worked across the world in the US, Europe, in Israel, in Pakistan, Indonesia, India, and across the emerging markets. And what was fascinating was in 1999, before BRICS as a concept was created, uh, a bunch of us decided that McKinsey did not understand emerging markets. And so we created this concept called How Half the World Shops, which basically was across Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and Mexico. And then for the next uh, 12 or 13 years, we had an absolute blast in the firm, working with colleagues in these countries to see what travels well from developed markets and what's unique about these countries, what makes growth happen, and what's different about innovation. Uh, And that's pretty much the journey that I have continued. Um, When you do this in emerging markets, you realize how critical uh, structures are, governance structures, city structures, hence urbanization, even livelihoods, because demand is such an important factor. And you suddenly realize the whole, understanding the whole is as important as understanding categories. And that's what has led me to where I am today. And as you think about that journey, your journey, are there any like pivotal moments or, or highlights that really turned you uh, into one direction versus another in terms of how you view growth and innovation, things you saw, insights you discovered that shaped how you got to where you are today? One was a realization that growth is a mindset issue. It's, a, it's about the state of mind. It's not about the state of market. And this is true in almost all countries. A lot of the growth conundrum 
is solved if you solve internal issues. The second thing one learned was margins, however, come from industry structure. And you can be the best company possible, you can have the most amazing mindset about growth, but if industry structure is off kilter, you've then got to be very, very patient. And then I think the third thing one learned was that consumers have a life. They don't think about categories, they don't think about brands, they think about their lives. And winners, therefore, are able to focus on continuously improving the intersection of where their products and their services meet the life of consumers without asking the consumers what they want, because consumers actually don't really know, right? And so the third thing one realized was it's not about looking at competition. It's not about listening and playing back to consumers what they wanted. But if you understand lives of consumers, then you're able to keep reimagining how you serve them successfully. So to my mind, if I were to disaggregate, if I were to synthesize, you know, three big lessons across various sectors and various countries, these would be the three that strike me the most. So, so let's dive into some of that a little bit. As you think about the growth mindset, what are some of the biggest differences between a developing nation, some of the world, or even India specifically, we can focus on that as well, and the developed world? Are there differences and, and, and are they pronounced and, and what, how would you describe them? I think there are two or three big differences and they're more about a stage of evolution of the country than because consumers or people are fundamentally different. I mean, every country will say we're unique. Actually, they're unique because of the point in time at which they are, not because they are fundamentally different. But here are the two, three things that one has seen. One is the depth of the market in a lot of emerging markets is very shallow. And you are in these markets for tomorrow, not, necess- not necessarily for today. So you get a bunch of early adopters, but then the market suddenly seems much smaller than you thought it is. So one of the things you see great growth companies do is they get granular about growth a lot early in the game. So if you ever want to win in India, you define the many Indias that exist. You think of India as Europe, not as an America. India, for example, has 30 states, and it's critical for you to treat one of them as Germany and the other one as France and the third one as Italy, not as Michigan versus Ohio versus New York, because these are very, very different markets. And you also are then able to decide where are you an attacker and where are you an incumbent. The second thing you realize about these markets is a lot of the developed markets were shaped by supply. Large retailers who aggregated assortments and standardized demand. In these markets where retail itself is still evolving, where categories themselves are still evolving, the role of reinterpreting the category continuously is very, very critical. And being able to keep the need of the consumer in mind and not being wedded to your format is absolutely essential to win. So you find complex supply chains much early in the game in developing markets. And, and is the growth mindset, as you said, as you think about the need for granularity, the need for an understanding of the structures and point of time, are Indian leaders more apt to adapt to that mindset? Well, the good news is it has nothing to do with country of origin of the company. I think it's to do with the kind of leadership you have. I think leaders who are 
paranoid about consistent growth very quickly get granular. It doesn't matter whether they are from India or America or from South Africa, right? So I think, I think it's about being paranoid about quality of growth and consistency of growth that leads you very quickly to break up India into many Indias. And do you think that, that they are typically focused on more organic or more inorganic? And is there, is there an important difference as one considers a country like India? I think if you're paranoid about growth, it's a bit more granular than organic and inorganic. I think it's about retaining who you have, going deeper with them. So it's about retention and higher share of wallet. It's about acquiring new customers. And it is about small, continuous, inorganic to get into adjacencies, to sometimes acquire talent, to sometimes acquire right product market fit. So it's a simultaneous game, I think, in juggling three balls. Retention, going deep, acquisition, remaining relevant, and continuously small acquisitions. And and you mentioned in your second point that industry structure was critical. You know, from an innovation lens, we often talk about business model innovation, uh, which, of course, has a lot to do with industry structure or creating a new industry structure. As you look at India and perhaps other developing markets, how, how important is the business model uh, in the equation of growth, especially as you think about the three lenses you just said in terms of acquiring and training uh, and, and deepening your, your understanding of a consumer uh, I suspect you know some some models are more more adept at doing that in 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 markets like India than others. I I love that question because I think a lot of people don't pay as much importance to the margin model and the business model as they need to. While in these markets, one has to remember, India is at two thousand dollars per capita, China is at ten thousand dollars per capita. These are still emerging markets, and therefore the ability to price is very limited. And now in a world which is increasingly risk, de-risking the margin uh, becomes even more critical. And the answer there actually, if you get the de-averaging of the market right, the answer actually lies in the business model. And one of the best things that I have learned from successful players in emerging markets is that they have actually perhaps taken the lead in disaggregating the business model and saying, hey, what do we need to do inside and what can actually be done outside? Because a lot of these countries are not about gross margin. A lot of these countries are about return on capital employed. And return on capital employed is best played if you get three parts of it right. You need to get your cost structure right because you have very little pricing power. You need to get the product mix and the product portfolio right because you will have price ladders which go from entry price point, sometimes it's everyday low price, right up to premium. And the same consumer will buy different SKUs depending on occasion. So you've got to get your pricing mix right. But then you've got to get the where you play in the value chain absolutely right. And some of the fastest growing, most agile companies in emerging markets have been those who have almost disassembled the business model and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do internally. This is what I'm going to influence. And this piece, I'm going to find other people who have natural, who are natural owners or the better cost structures or very different expectations of return. And so one of the things you find in emerging markets is that the physical boundary 
of the company that you run is much broader than the legal boundary of the company that you own because you've got to influence that ecosystem much early in the game. Are ecosystems a more important element of success and growth in a developing market then than perhaps companies in developed markets have appreciated? I don't think they're more important. I think influencing them and making sure that they scale up to your quality and to your cost structure requires more work. So one of the things you will find if you double click into a good grower in emerging markets, you will find that they will have commercial teams who are into vendor development and business development, which are two, three, four times the size of the equivalent teams that you see in developed countries. Because in developed countries, you have ecosystem players who have who are simpatico with you in terms of culture, compliance, quality standards, cost structures, while sometimes in emerging markets, they have to be curated by you. So I don't think they are more or less important. I think your role in, in making them grow is more specific and uh, more deliberate than they are in, in the developed countries. And as you think about the different kinds of companies you work with, you mentioned you're on boards of large, large, well-known uh, entities, as well as some of the most exciting startups uh, in India. Do you, what, are the, what are the big differences there? I mean, we, we hear often about the big companies in India. I'm not sure we hear as much about the little ones, the growing uh, you know, future unicorns or current unicorns uh, that are in India. What, what, have, what have you seen in terms of uh, either similarities or differences across those two types of companies as you sit on their boards? Well, I think the first difference is an obvious one, right? The startups are born digital and the incumbents are learning how to become digital. And the startups are learning how to scale up. The incumbents are learning how to forget old myths and old ways of doing things and becoming more agile. So that's the first difference, that they're both coming to the same place, but from very, very different starting points. I think the other difference is that the startups have the luxury to be focused primarily on the consumer with no formats. You know, so if you have somebody working in finance, he's not wedded to a bank branch format. He thinks he's in the business of providing you credit. He's, he's not optimizing the bank branch. But if you look at the big bank, the big bank is saying, but what does this mean for my bank branch network? So I think the, the, the startups are, are comfortable with uh, reimagining category go-to-market. Uh, and the incumbents are having to do a delicate dance between repurposing what they have and uh, creating the formats of tomorrow. And a lot of it is actually in the head more than in the market. It sounds similar to your third point from the beginning, which says, you know, consumers live a life uh, and companies that understand uh, lives of consumers are the ones that typically live with them and grow faster. Are the startups better at understanding life than the big incumbents when it comes to product services and then and, 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 um, really growing, growing with them? Yes and no. I think the startups usually start with one passion of one guy and he's usually solving for himself. Uh, and then very quickly they realize that they have to play multiple games, right? And so at that point in time, the, the startup who intuitively, the founder usually who intuitively had a problem to solve, sometimes does a good job of finding new problems to solve and sometimes struggles, right? So it's not it's not a given that they get consumer inciting better than the incumbents do. 
That said, the incumbents might have the capability and what the good incumbents have to do is to keep aside category definition. The problem, I think, with a lot of incumbents is they get so, they, they manage, they, they're so busy managing the current brand, the current concept, the current portfolio, that to put that aside or to find another bunch of folks who are reinterpreting the category and being comfortable with, you know, a very incumbent word of cannibalizing my own business, it requires huge amounts of courage. So it's not that the incumbents are not good at doing it. If anything, they have better tools to do it. They have better institutional memories to do it. But, you know, sometimes you don't embrace the future because you don't see yourself there or you see it hitting the past. And that's where I think the some of the incumbents struggle and the good incumbents are able to uh, find a thoughtful way around it. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this first part of the discussion. During the second part, Irina and Eric will discuss the most exciting areas of innovation in emerging markets today. How incumbents can combat the advantages of digital natives and the unique nuances of the cost and price equation in developing countries. For a transcript of today's conversation, we encourage you to visit our Inside the Strategy Room page on McKinsey.com, where you may easily explore, filter, and search our library of previous episodes, including those focused on innovation. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for your future podcast, please email us at insidethestrategyroom at mckinsey.com. If you'd like to receive alerts on our latest insights, you can sign up on our podcast collection page on mckinsey.com, follow us on Twitter at mckstrategy, or connect with us on LinkedIn on the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the Strategy Room.